Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and you're listening to the Lakeside Church Weekly Message Podcast. This is where we broadcast our Sunday morning teaching, so if you missed it or want to hear it again, you're in the right place. Every week we try to teach God's Word in a way that is real so that it becomes alive to you as you hear it. If this message speaks to you in any way, let us know by clicking on our website's contact page at lakesidelife.org, where you can find out more about the church, watch some videos, and even give online. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the podcast. I, I wanted to, to speak on this, this really challenging um, passage in Ephesians 5 about husbands and wives together in relationship. And um, I'm going to take a different slant. I, I, I want to go back and just do an introduction to that uh, tonight because I think sometimes we, we look at a passage of Scripture and we see it as a do or a don't, as a command to do or don't do something. And we don't look at the why that's behind that. So that's the context I, I, want, to, I want us to consider this passage in. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, by the way, um, it is uh, just... Um, so good um, to see uh, many of my old friends um, that uh, I had to step out at one point. And uh, so I just uh, know that I love you a ton. Um, uh, let me ask you to do this. I, I want to get off that. I want to get these tears out of the way right early on, you know. It's just not very manly, you know. Um, <laughs> Uh, pray for Sheila and me. You know, there, there's season. We go through seasons in life, and some of the seasons are more challenging. And and I, I, we're not the ones going through the most challenging season. It's really her mom and dad. Uh, her dad, uh, his he and his brother operated a dairy farm back in New Brunswick for for many years, and uh, his brother passed from Alzheimer's about three years ago, and her dad has Alzheimer's. And in July, we had to put him in a, in, in a care facility, and, and that was hard. And then her mom had been in the hospital, and uh, her mom now is suffering from dementia and has been with us for three months. And um, I'll tell you what, the, 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 the tail end of the journey is the toughest one. Mm-hmm. And uh, pray for Sheila's mom and dad and, and for us that, that we would uh, demonstrate the grace that he calls us to, to demonstrate. And, um, uh, you know, we're not perfect in that. I'm not perfect in that. Sheila probably is, but I, I'm not so perfect in that. So we appreciate your prayer. Ephesians chapter 5, and um, I, I want to I start uh, a little earlier well, no, I'm not. I'm going to jump into this passage, and I'm going to, I'm going to do some earlier stuff later on. If that, do it earlier later. Um, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so are also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body." For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Now, this mystery is profound, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. To sum up, each of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. Man, that is a tough one to live up to. I got to tell you, I I don't know which is harder, what he lays out for ladies or what he lays out for the guys, but I got to tell you, this this one just is is tough until until we understand why that's there. And I I want us to spend the next hour and a half just looking at, 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 at at what's behind all of this and um, what it is that God is, tr- is, 
is wanting to do in and through our lives as we live out these principles that are here. What is God about anyway? So I think before we get into the, the what of what this passage is talking about, we need to have a serious look at the why. And to demonstrate just how important the why is, I want you to look at this video. How do I know? A lot of people, when they think of the phrase, how do I know, they always want to put the what behind it. How do I know what I'm supposed to do? The, the question that you really should ask is, how do I know why I'm here? Because when you know your why, your what becomes more clear and more impactful. If you know, like for instance, um, people know that I do comedy, but that's what I do. My why is to inspire people to walk in purpose. So I can do comedy, I can write books, I can be in a movie, because all of it is motivated by my why. In fact, I have a new, uh, a new web series out called Michael Jr. Break Time. Uh, we probably just did the sixth episode. It's on YouTube. So every single Wednesday at 3 o'clock, we drop a new episode on YouTube of Michael Jr. Break Time. What it is is it's me. I travel around the country, and I do stand-up comedy, in case you didn't know. And in the middle of my comedy set sometime, I'll stop and just talk to my audience. And we've been filming this, and it's, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. So we're in Winston-Salem. I'm going to show you a clip from Winston-Salem. And I'm just talking to this guy in the audience, and he tells me that he's a, uh, a musical instructor at a school. So I was like, all right, you're a musical instructor. You know, can you sing? Let me hear you sing a song. So this is what happened at the last episode of Michael Jr.'s Break Time. Check it. So you're a musical director. Cool. Yes, sir. All right, so um, let me get a couple. Let me get a couple bars of like uh, "Amazing Grace." Can you do the first part of that? Let me, go ahead. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That bro could sing, you know what I'm saying? All right, all right. Um, now, once you give me the version, is if uh, your uncle just got out of jail, you got shot in the back when you was a kid. I'm just saying, let me see the hood version real quick. If you, you know which version I'm talking about, just see if that exists. Let me see what you got. Amazing. Here's what I want you to catch. The first time I asked him to sing, he knew what he was doing. The second time, he knew why he was doing it. When you know your why, your what becomes more impactful because you're walking towards or in your purpose. Got it? So when you know your why, your what, has a whole lot more impact because you can walk and move toward your purpose. And so when I, when I thought about what we would do here with this passage, I thought, well, what is the why behind all this? What is it that God is, is really doing? And, and I started to look, I, I read through, first thing I did was I read through Ephesians several times and say, what is God telling us again and again and again and again? And uh, then I said, well, where did that come from? And so I, I, one of the th journeys I've been on the last little while is to, to realize that the very core 
of truth on who we are, who God is, who God calls us to be, is found right at the very beginning, going right back to the beginning in Genesis. And so when I go back to the first why, or the original why, of, of, of understanding what God's doing here in Genesis chapter 5, then I went, I went back to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, where God says, let us, now the, the us here is, is the three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So, God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God, and he created them male and female. Now, I think all those details are really important. We're not, we just don't have time to dig into to all that is packed in here. But let me give you a, just a, a 30,000-foot level of, of a couple of essential things. When God says, let us make man in our image, uh, there, there is... There's a body of truth here that, that I think is so important for the church and for families. Remember, he says in this passage, it's to husbands and wives, he said, nevertheless, I'm, I'm telling you this and talking to you about Jesus and his church. Amen. Right? One of the things, one of the, and I, I, all my years in church, I never, ever heard this taught until I get in a, a graduate uh, program. And one of the incredible things about the three-in-one, the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together, is there is such oneness together. Absolute, complete harmony and oneness. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father, the creation was the Father's idea. Redemption was the Father's idea. And yet the Bible tells us that there was not anything that was made that Jesus didn't make in John chapter 1. Jesus said, I can't say anything but what the Father gives it to me. He, he says when he's about to go to the, to the well, to trial and then on to the cross, uh, he said, if, it any, if it's any way possible, Dad, let this cup pass from me. He says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. This complete oneness that we see in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has to be modeled in the church. It's to be modeled in our families, in our, in our relationships, husband and wife and parents to children. Even, in some sense, employers and employees together. And, and so he says, let us make man in our image, that they might be like us. Not, you know, see, in, in, interesting. We're in the image of God when we're female. We're in, in the image of God when we're male. It has nothing to do with gender. It has everything to do with something else, and that is to be in perfection and holiness. In the original why, the first thing to note about it is that humankind, men and women together, are made in the image of God. If you read some books on this, you'll come across a Latin uh, word or two Latin words that, that are imago dei, the image of God. We're made in his image. We're made to be one with one another. We're made to live in harmony. We're, and husband and wife became one flesh, right? That was God's original design. But then something awful happened. Sin entered the world when, you know, God places the first man and the first woman in a garden, and he doesn't give them a whole lot of commands. I mean... It was just, there's one tree. You, you, you enjoy everything, but there's one, just don't eat the fruit of that tree. I mean, that's the only, everything else you have to enjoy. But it was just like telling a kid, you know, don't touch that. Uh, uh, they decided that they knew better than God, and sin entered the world through the willful act of the first man and woman and the holiness of the Imago Dei was destroyed. The holiness of the image of God was, was destroyed. No longer was, were man, the first man and the first woman without sin. 
The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7 that the eyes of them were opened. And they knew they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together, and they made coverings for themselves in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7. A few verses later, in verse number 16, I'm going to get there when you do. It's not going to be up on the screen behind you. But a few verses later, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 16, God says that there's a consequence that comes to them from this disobedience. He's told Adam, the day you sin, uh, you'll die. And he comes to the man and the woman, and he says to the man, he, he's, he's, he's going to tell him he's going to toil through the thorns and the, bristle and the, and the briars, and, and life is going to be difficult providing for his family. And he says to the woman in verse 16, I will intensify your labor pains. You will bear children and painful effort. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. And it was a, it was a consequence of, of the fall. And I, I said to Matt, and somewhere it's in my notes, I guess, down here in front of me, uh, it, that I'm thinking, is, is, that, is that a consequence in terms of uh, an ongoing punishment, if you will, or is it just a consequence of now being sinful? I mean, it just changed everything, this fall that happened, sin entering into the world. And since that day, the mission of God has been the restoration of everything that was lost in the fall. The Bible tells us that there is coming a day when everything that was lost will, will be restored to its original state. But there is something else that is taught, and it, all the way through Ephesians, especially this is being taught, is that Paul tells us again and again in a number of different ways that the moment we turn from our sin and turn to Jesus and trust him as the savior and, and ruler of our life, in that moment, there is a restoration to God's image again. There is, because God looks at us through the, the sacrifice of Jesus and sees us as being without sin again. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the death of Jesus being applied as, a, as the payment for our sin. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses, verse 7, it says this, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he purchased or purposed in Christ rather as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. God has been working out a plan from that time through to Calvary when Jesus went to the cross as a sacrifice for your sin and mine to restore us to the image of God to one day completely restore fallen earth and humanity to, to God's original design. But the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7, or verse 10 rather, remember 8 and 9 says, you, you know what 8 and 9 says, right? For by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It has nothing to do with our own performance, our own advancement. It's totally a grace gift based on the sacrifice of Jesus. And what he says in verse 10 is profound. He says, for we are his creation. What's, what's he mean by that? When God created the first man and the first woman, he created them in his image. We are his creation. We've been remade. We are his creation. 
created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them. When God made us again, when he made us a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if you want to write that down as a reference to look at afterward, if any man's in Christ, any person, any man or woman in Christ, they're a new creation. The old things have passed away and the new has come, right? And so we are his creation, created for good works that God has prepared in advance ahead of time that we would walk in them. Every converted soul, every person that turns from sin and to trust in Christ is recreated and the image of God is restored in this way. The Father sees that believer as being holy as he is holy, as perfect as he is perfect. Our sin has been forgiven, and gone is the guilt and the punishment of that sin. It has been taken in full in the body of Christ. When Jesus cries out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I believe that it was in that moment that God poured on him the iniquity of us all so that we might be restored to the Father. As a result of that, Paul, through the book of Ephesians, tells us that there are some, just some, not consequences, but some resulting behaviors, some, some things that result in our lives as a result of that restoration. And so I'm going to complete this sentence a number of times. Therefore, believers are, first of all, they are to live in a manner that makes God famous. Now, I, the, the verse here that I'm going to use is, is uh, chapter 1 of Ephesians, verse 11 and 12. The Bible says that in him we have also received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in, the agreement, in agreement with the purpose of his will so that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. Our, we, our lives are to bring praise to God. Now we, I, I was, um, watched, I watched a great video this week. If you get a chance, uh, Michael Frost, um, the great missiologist of our day, and he has a wonderful South African, I think, accent, uh, very easy to listen to, but he, he gave a talk on YouTube about uh, living a questionable life, that, that every Christian is to live a questionable life. And, and we might think that's odd. I mean, questionable life? But his premise was this, that, that we are to live our lives in such a way, making God famous in how we live our lives, our, our, the, the heart of God pouring out of us to a world around us, that people question, what is it that makes you so different? Because we have been forgiven, and the guilt of our sin is gone, and the Father sees us as holy as, as he is holy, perfect as he is perfect. So we're to live in a manner that makes God famous, to the praise of his glory. The second thing Paul says to the, the, the Ephesian church is, that we are to be continually filled with the fullness of God. Our lives are to be filled with God's fullness. He says this in, in, in uh, chapter 3, verses 14 th uh, through 19. He starts out and he says, for this reason, and then he goes off on his other stuff. He goes back in verse 14. Well, now you get back to it again. For this reason... I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, and I pray that he may grant you according to the rich of his, riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through the Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you will be rooted and firmly established in love and may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love. I mean, there's a lot of stuff he's praying, you know, for them. But he says that you might be, know Christ's love, 
that surpasses knowledge, surpasses what's in our head, the intellectual part of us, that you may know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be what? Filled with all the fullness of God. Wow. That means that in my, in my interaction... And this is one of the applications of this. In my interaction with others, I am to demonstrate what it means to be filled with all the fullness of God. I should respond every time just the way God does. Amen. Now, that's a little bit condemning I have for me. I don't know about you, but man, I think, oh, maybe I better let someone else preach this, right? But I'm to be filled with the fullness of God. In my relationship with Sheila, I'm to be filled with the fullness of God. That's why she told me one night, she said, Derek, you're about a perfect husband. <laughs> well, I'm going to be really transparent with you. I'll tell you what she really said. <laughs> she said, you know, you'd be about a perfect husband if it wasn't for that temper. See, I... I struggle with that old flesh inside me so that there are times I, I don't know about you, but do you get discouraged? I, I, when, you say, when you see this, I'm to, I'm to be filled with all the fullness of God, and you look at your own life and you say, what a wretched piece of humanity I am, <laughs> right? I mean, because we understand that we fall short of that, and it's, oh, God, and I, I, I think about the night that, that my mom told me that I wasn't everybody else's son. I was her son, and that made me somebody special. I just think God's saying, but, but I, I expect better. And I've given you everything you need. So Paul prays that, that we might be strengthened with power in the inner man so we could be filled with the fullness of God. That, that, that Christ might dwell in our hearts through faith so that we could be filled with the fullness of God. That we'd be rooted and firmly established in love. That, that we, our lives might be filled with the fullness of God. That we might be able to comprehend the length and width and height and depth of God's love so we could be filled, filled with the fullness of God. That's the why and the therefores. There's one more. He tells us in chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, that we're to live life that is worthy of our calling to make God famous to the praise of his glory. Listen to this. Therefore, I, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to live, live worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the, the bond of peace. He said, listen, you, you, live worthy of me. Now, this is, this is God's great call in our lives to live worthy of him, to, to, to live worthy of our calling that our lives might be to the praise of his glory, that we might make him famous because we are filled with all the fullness of God. What happens when we live that way? Well, I think if we stay right in, in, in Ephesians, God tells us some of the things that happen, at least one of the things that, that happens is that the moment we are converted, um, we're made a new creation, but Paul says in chapter 4 that we are to put on a new self that's created in God's likeness. That's that principle of the imago Dei, again, the image of God, the likeness of God, the image of God. So we're to put on a new self that's the one that's created in God's likeness, because there's another self. There's another self. The, the, you know, Paul said to the church of Galatia, he, um, he says, you know, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The, the problem with that old guy that was crucified with Christ is he wants to resurrect himself, doesn't he? There's, a, there's an old nature in me that's, that's still there, and if I, if I don't starve him and feed the new nature, that, that old guy will climb 
off the cross again and again and again. So we're to put on a new self that's made in God's likeness. Look at Ephesians 4, verses 20 to 24. He, he, before these verses, and we're not going to go back and read those, but he, he talks about the works of, of darkness, the works of the old nature, the works of the flesh, the things we used to do. This is the, the, the old behaviors, the wicked way. And, and, and so much of the time we find that rearing its ugly head in, in our lives. But he, he says this, but that is not how you came to know Christ assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. We're to put on the new self. And how do we do that? How do we do that? And the, 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 the best way I know how to do that is to starve the old guy and feed the new guy. In our house, um, there is a perch that I have that is my favorite spot. And this time of year especially, it's great um, because in our living room, the windows face toward the east, which means sunrise. And I can get up early in the morning and take the Word of God and open it up, and I can read the Word of God and spend some time with Him there, and by and by the sun begins to emerge on the horizon, and the morning begins to brighten, and and I get to start my day by feeding the new guy. And I often, when, I, when I've not handled something well, I will say to Sheila, I need to feed, I don't say the new guy, but I need to feed my soul more to make sure that I can demonstrate what it is to be restored to God's image, that I can honor him in the way I act because it flows out of my heart because I'm being filled with the fullness of God. There's something, another way Paul expresses it here in chapter 5 and verses 8 to 10, the chapter where we get this passage about husbands and wives. And he words it this way, that we are to live as children of light, not children of darkness. And we, we, we know what that difference is. He says in verse 8 of chapter 5 of Ephesians, he says, For you were once in darkness, but now you are the light of the, now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth, testing what is pleasing to the Lord. We're to, we're to purpose to live as a person of light. Now, how many of you have a dark side? Yeah. How many of you wouldn't, answer, wouldn't raise a hand no matter what I asked? That'd be everybody else, right? So we, we all do, right? We have a dark side. I, I have a dark side. I, I can go to some, some dark places. And I, I don't know if you go to, can crawl into as deep a hole as I can. Some of you maybe crawl into a deeper hole. God said, don't do that. That's where the old self is. That's, that's, that's where there's an absence of the fullness of God in your life. Don't go there. I'm not saying that things can't be hurtful. I'm not saying things can't be challenging. But I got to tell you, it's, it's ugly when I go there and when you go there. Live as children of light. Understand that God is at work in your life. And then he tells us that we are to live being continually filled with the Holy Spirit as evidenced by submission to one another. Listen to this. Pay careful attention then to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the Spirit, submitting to yourselves, to, or submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, now he says in, in, 
in, in their intermediate, in the verses in between, you know, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, all that. But he's saying when we're filled with the Spirit, one of the things that happens, it must happen, that we end up submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your husbands. Same breath. What is God trying to, what is God saying to us? That's the what. We talked about the why. We're, we're made in the image of God. We, we, that was destroyed. God's mission has been to restore everything back to the way he created at the beginning. In Jesus, we're restored to, the, to God's image. So he sees us, the Father sees us through, through the sacrifice of Jesus. Being holy as he is holy, perfect as he is perfect. We're to live that out now in the fullness of God, in the fullness of the Spirit. Submitting to one another in fear of God. Wives, submit to your husbands as you would to Jesus. Husbands, love your wives the way Jesus loves the church. Listen, folks, I, when it comes to those two verses, you can read it just as well as I can. I'm not going to spend time there tonight in those verses. I will tell you this, that in submitting, we model Jesus. Did you realize that? This, this chapter doesn't just talk about husbands and wives. It talks about children and parents. And it talks about slaves and masters. And in submitting, we model Jesus. Because Jesus said, I don't speak anything the Father didn't give me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. This is more about modeling Jesus than it is about punishment for the fall in this context. It's hard to submit, especially when you're proud. One of the things that God has taken me on a journey on uh, about since I left here was that very issue of submitting because um, I went from here to be part of a team where I was, um, I was just a mule. I was, I was, the, I was the, just the work-a-day guy, the guy in the trenches. And uh, I had some people that I had to answer to in the pecking order. And I, I, I learned really early on that the way I was going to honor God in this was to submit to the leadership that I was under and trust that they had my best interests in, in mind. That's how I would model Jesus on that team. I wouldn't grumble. I wouldn't, wouldn't complain. wouldn't lash out. I wouldn't even entertain the thought that well, once in a while, they needed to know maybe what God was showing me, but I wasn't very big on saying, no, 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 you got it all wrong. This is how we should do it. No, I, that wasn't what I would, God just wanted me to submit to the leadership I was with. Husbands, love your wives. You know, we model Jesus, men, when we love our wives in a sacrificial way, when we put their interests before ours. See, that's submitting too, isn't it? Don't I, when, when I put Sheila's interests ahead of mine, am I not submitting? Is, is there not a manner in which I'm submitting to her? Yes. Right? Submitting to one another in the fear of God. This isn't, this isn't bad stuff to submit. We, we model God in our relationships with one another. But why is it? Here's where I want to park for a minute. Why is it? that this is such a struggle. And I'll tell you why. For some, now for all of us, I was getting ahead of myself. I'm going to say for some in a minute. For all of us, it is that old self, that old man that's trying to crawl down from the cross. It is that old, rotten, despicable, sinful, wicked nature that gets in the way of us living this out in all the fullness of God. It's our, it's our selfishness. 
It's me first. Some, I've heard ladies contest this by saying, ah, listen, Paul was just a chauvinist. Matt saw my notes earlier, and he, he was confused. He thought I said in the notes, Paul was such a Calvinist. And if, if you're a theology student, you realize that, that, that didn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, Calvin came after Paul. But he probably was a Calvinist. But, but, um, but Paul's such a Chauvinist. He, and he wasn't married anyway, right? I mean, what did Paul know about marriage? He wasn't married anyway. He said, I wish everybody was single just like I'm single. Or... Here's the one that I deserve better than this. You know, that's the one, that's the one I struggle with. I deserve better. When someone wrongs me and, and I'm not feeding that new guy, and that old guy crawls down off the cross, that old guy whispers in my ear, you deserve better than this. You know what? I don't. I just don't. I don't deserve better. God's using that in my life as sandpaper to smooth some, some rough edges off. And I'll tell you, it's, it's not in my marriage relationship with Sheila, but there are some relationships in my life that I want to scream out when I don't feed the new guy. I deserve better than this. But I really don't. And you don't either. So we find difficulty with this when, when the old self, that old nature, resurrects himself and he gets in the way because we haven't starved him and we haven't fed the new guy enough. And the second reason why it's sometimes so difficult is we don't understand the why. We just think that God was giving an arbitrary command and therefore if I'm a woman, I'm second rate. And God, that isn't the case at all. That is not at all what God had in mind. But he did have in, have in mind what it, what, what it would be to live a questionable life, to honor God in that relationship of husband and wife together in such a way that was so radically different that people would ask, why? How are you able to do this? What's going on? Why? What's the why to your life? The truth was that in that context, in that culture, the first century Christian reading that letter, the women who would hear that letter, letter read were not even considered to be legal persons. And it's... Highly unusual that the, the birth of the daughters would be recorded, but the birth of the sons in a family would be, but not the daughters. They were in a culture that was completely male-dominated. And Paul says, in this culture, this is how you demonstrate Jesus. And to you men, in this culture, this is how you demonstrate my character. You are going to just put your wife first ahead of yourself by loving her the way Jesus loves the church. This was highly radical in their day. And if we don't understand the why of what God was doing, many times we find the way he desires us to live to be onerous and and difficult. But when you understand your why, you can move toward your purpose of being, bringing praise to his glory. So with that in mind, how would God be honored in our lives tonight? How should we respond to this as the people of God? And I came up with some things that I think are just very challenging. And the first one is this, and I deliberately didn't put it in your notes. I don't think it's going to be on the screen behind me either, so you're going to have to write it down if you're interested in what God would have you do. I'll give you a minute to get your pens out. You want to write this down. The inside right page of your worship guide has a whole blank space there. First thing is take some time, whether you're male or female, whether you're married or single, 
take some time and evaluate yourself on how you model God to your family. If, if you're a student, how do you model God to your family, to your siblings, to your mom and dad, to your grandparents? Ask, when you're not going to do this in a, in a few moments, but as you do that this week, ask God, ask the Spirit of God to give you insight to your own life. To be honest. Ask the Spirit of God to give you insight and honesty. David's, David invited the Holy Spirit to do that in his life one day when he said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Then when you've, when you've completed your self-evaluation, sit down with your family, with your spouse, with your husband or wife, even your children. And what you can share, I mean, with your children, you may have to be guarded with that. With your wife, you shouldn't be, or husband. But tell them what you have come to understand about yourself. This is what God's been showing me. This is what God's been showing me about where I just, I think I've done well here, but man, I'm struggling with this part of it. And I've not honored you or I've not honored the Lord in our relationship in this way. And, and begin to process through that. And when you're done Give them your self-assessment. Ask them to provide you feedback. How close was I? I I've gone through, the, through some psychological profiles. I remember the first one was before I came here. It was in 2001 in March. And we sat down for an interview after this online psychological profile. And we, when we came out, Sheila said, I can't believe how they nailed you on this one. You know, how they just got it so right. Well, they did okay on hers, too. I mean, <laughs> I didn't remind her of that in the moment. But um, ask, you know, if I ask Sheila how close I am to it, she'll tell me. Boy, will she tell me. <laughs> Number C. As, as you share together, acknowledge your own shortcomings. I mean, just own it. And ask for forgiveness and patience as you ask God to help you better model him in your relationship. I was on the phone with a good friend of mine, and it was a business relationship, but we've been friends for more than 40 years. And, and uh, he's one of those guys that uh, he is a strong-headed, you know, stubborn guy. You know, and I, I find that's so difficult because I'm so unopinionated. And <laughs> so here were two alpha males, right, having it out on the phone. And at one point I said, well, good luck with that meeting. And I don't know what he said. And I, I thought, if he came back with him, he's just as strong, right? And I said... I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to say it with that kind of tone. He said, you said it, so just own it. <laughs> I went up to Sheila afterward, and I said, you know, he's the only guy I know I can have that kind of conversation with and come out and laugh about it because we've been friends for 40 years. And we did have a, a much softer conversation where we just, I said, Alan, I really did not mean to use that tone um, I, I meant what I said, but I did not mean that tone. I, yeah, I know you didn't. He said, listen, I've had a hard day, and he told me what he'd... Just acknowledge your own your shortcomings. Ask for forgiveness and patience as you ask God to help you grow in this, to better model him. And then... Reevaluate this kind of final step. Reevaluate re yourself in light of your family confessions and go to the Father and confess what you know you need to confess. And whether it's a sin of commission, what you've done or what you've not done, omission. Whatever it is, 
and ask for the Spirit of God to help you change and model the nature and the character of God better in the relationships you have. That's what God calls us to. It's incredible. This, there's so much more there than wives submit your husbands and husbands love your wives. It's model Jesus. Model the three in one. Live in all the fullness of God's presence and character in your life. Live in such a way that you live a questionable life. Live in such a way that you make him famous. That's exciting stuff, I think. Much better than just the what. When you know the why, you can move toward your life's purpose. Will you pray with me? Father, you are, you are just so incredibly gracious and forbearing with us, with me. Lord, you know that I often say there's, there's, there's a guy in my life who just irritates me to no end because he disappoints me so often. And what makes it worse is I have to look at him every morning when I look in the mirror. Lord, I know I disappoint myself and I disappoint you and I disappoint others around me. And yet you've called me to something bigger, to something better. And I, I, I just think that's probably the testimony of each of us tonight. Father, you've called us to model you to a world that needs to see you, not us, but you. They need to see your grace in our lives that, that is not common. They need to see a spirit of humility and forgiveness in our lives that they don't see anywhere else. They need to see you modeled in us. And so, Father, I pray that you'd help us to live out our lives that have been recreated in the image of God in such a way that we would make you famous, that we would bring praise and honor to your glorious name. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. And God's people said, Amen. I hope you've enjoyed listening to the Lakeside Podcast. If you have any questions at all about the message, if you have any struggles you're going through, or if you simply want to respond to what you've heard, we'd love to hear from you. Go to our website at lakesidelife.org and click on the contact page to let us know what's on your heart. We look forward to hearing from you, and we'll see you next time.